Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So my partner Vanessa and I did a couple session, and uh, it was long overdue. And it was supposed to be, the first session was supposed to be three hours. And Vanessa and I looked at each other. We're like, what the fuck? We couldn't, we didn't have, uh, and I've never done a couple session for that long. Um, I would run out of things to talk about. But uh, we didn't have that kind of chunk of time in our schedule. So we ended up doing two hours. uh, And it was a great session. The therapist uh, is a rock star. She's amazing. And she shared with us this uh worksheet and it's the 18 principles of secure functioning relationships and i want to share this with you so i could put it through my filter uh, and maybe it will be helpful okay number one there's 18 so we're going to go through them pretty fast because i also want to share with you um, the homework that we're supposed to do all right number one we protect the safety and security of our relationship at all times and like as a as a dude um, who was born in the seventies, <laughs> I um, I'm thinking about like physical protection, right? The the shivery and all that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the safety and security of the relationship at all times, meaning the emotional safety. We're talking about um, protection in that you are not assassinating each other's character you are protecting the space right that goes a lot further than um physical protection number two we are fully transparent with each other and tell each other everything and this doesn't mean that you are verbally vomiting on your partner because i um i have in my past uh been irresponsible with my transparency. So when it comes to transparency, yes, we should be fully transparent, but we should also be responsible in that. You don't have to tell your partner everything you feel every minute of the day, right? You're, you're un, you don't have to, un, your partner is not your therapist. Um, but yes, we should definitely be fully transparent. Number three, if one of us is in distress, we drop what we do. We drop what we are doing and minister to that partner. Now, I also believe because I'm going to add, I'm going to add an and. Um, when your partner goes down, you give your partner your hand, not your life, right? So, um, yes, I do believe. Of course, if your partner is in distress, you know, that should be a priority. Yeah, the person that you're sharing your life with is hurting or in trouble or needs you, and you should definitely. Do what you can um, to see how they're doing, to see how you can help help them. And, and this is part of what creates that safe space. But at the same time, if the distress is over time and the d- distress becomes a uh, depression, yes, of course, you should be supportive and ask how you can be helpful, um, but not to the point where you start to lose yourself, right? Not to the point where you're losing your own life. And this is why I say you should give your partner your hand, not your life. Okay, number four, we base our relationship on collaboration and cooperation. 
remembering that all decisions and action must serve both a personal and mutual good. We do not move on until we are both on board. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of us make the mistake of moving on. And look, there's going to be things that we um, can't resolve. There's going to be, I think it's the Gottmans that that said that in every relationship, there's going to be like one thing that you'll never see eye to eye on. That's always going to be a thing and you're not going to have resolution. And I, and I totally agree with that. Right. Um, but generally speaking, I think that we have to be on the same page. I think that, uh, our relationships are about, um, cooperation, collaboration, and, um, a mutual good. I like that a mutual good, because it means that there's something greater than you and your partner, right? You guys are both holding hands and building something greater. Number five, we share power. We are both bosses. And to me, this just means that uh, equality, you know, you don't control your partner. There is no possession. Your partner doesn't control you. You guys are in this 50-50. Number six, we never threatened the existence of our relationship. Yes, this is a big one. Don't ever throw around uh, the divorce word if you don't mean it. Don't threaten that you're going to break up. Uh, actually, to be honest with you, uh, Vanessa and I, um, and I want to take responsibility for this, we went to see a couple of therapists because we got into a big fight because I – did a version of this. So I didn't like directly threaten our relationship, but I'd said something that was very uh, indirectly. I mean, maybe directly, I don't know. Um, but it was, uh, um, it was definitely in this category of, of threatening the relationship. And then I realized after I said it because of her reaction and then what she said back, um, okay, now we are getting into this zone of threatening our relationship, you know? Um, and that fight is what led us to go see a couples counselor, a couples therapist, a psychologist, sorry. Okay, so yeah, you should never threaten the existence of your relationship. Now, that being said, um, I don't, I also don't like that rule where, where people are like, married couples are like, you can never say the D word. Well, what if, what if it's something you've been thinking about? You know, I don't, I don't think there should be a never uh, with 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 really anything. I mean, as far as like the topic, and if you're at a place where you are thinking about divorce and you want to have a conversation with your partner about it, um, I think you can talk about it. You know, that's very different than threatening the relationship. That's different than using uh, breakup, divorce. Uh, or you leaving as a way to threaten because a lot of times we do that uh, as a weapon. We use that as a weapon, not, not as our truth. Number seven, we jealously protect our primary as partners from third things, third tasks, and third people that threaten our safety and security. We manage thirds, anything outside of our relationship together. I don't know about this. Um, I don't like the word jealously protect. <laughs> it doesn't sound healthy to me that we jealously protect. It sounds possessive. It sounds um, 
like we are grabbing and not holding our relationship. Uh, but I do like that we do protect our primary as partners. And uh, third, people that threaten our safety and security. I do believe that we should protect our relationship at all times, sure. Number eight, we are the go-to person for all matters, making certain we are both the first to know, not second, third, or fourth in all matters of importance. Again, I don't know about this, to be honest with you. Um, I think generally speaking, yes, of course, your partner should be the person you go to. I mean, you, you know, it shouldn't even be a rule. You should want to go to your partner because you feel the safest with your partner. But I don't think it should be where it's like a commandment, you know. Uh, sometimes we can go to one of our best friends, and, and that that's okay, you know. If Vanessa went to her best friend to talk about something really important, the personal, and for whatever reason she felt like she needed to talk to her first, I would be okay with that. I would trust that that's what she needs for herself. I wouldn't take it as, oh, her best friend's higher on the list or you know, more important. Um, look, we have different relationships with different people. We get different things out of those relationships. And if you need to talk to your sister first because of the topic or whatever, I think that's fair. I think that's okay. You know, so I don't really agree with number eight. All right, number nine, we always greet each other with good cheer. In reunions and departure, we connect with each other first. I love that we connect with each other first. I love that in reunions and departures, and what that means is, you know, the transitions of the day-to-day, -day, when you're leaving, when you're coming, um, I think that's very important. I think greeting, I think hugging, I think, you know, I'm a big fan of the six-second kiss by John Gottman uh, with good cheer, with your ability to be positive, absolutely, as long as that positivity isn't fake, right? You're not being fake. You are being real, and you are being responsible, and you're being honest. But at the same time, you are doing your best to be positive for the greater good. In the transitions of the day-to-day, -day, whether you text or hold each other or give each other a hug um, we do something called five minutes, which I've been doing forever. Just five minutes, go lay down, keep your clothes on, and just meditate or connect in some way, right? Number 10, we protect each other in public and in private from harmful behaviors, including our, our own. That's pretty self-explanatory. Sure, I agree with that. 11, we put each other to bed. <laughs> this sounds kind of weird. We put each other to bed each night and greet each other in the morning. Um, I don't know about putting each other to bed. It sounds like um, what we do to our toddlers. But I, I understand what it means that, um, yeah, we go to sleep together. And uh, it doesn't even have to be in the same bed. I mean, a lot of people um, sleep in different beds for their own reasons. And if they're cool with that, so be it. There's a lot of celebrities that are together and they live next door to each other. They have their, their own house <laughs> and they they share a life, but they have their own house. Um, and I'll be honest with you, uh, some people, for some people, that's, you know, ideal. I don't know. Maybe for avoidance. I don't know. People who like their space and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yes, we, we, you know, Vanessa and I, we kind of go to, to bed at the same time. We don't have to, but that's just our routine. And of course, in the morning, um, 
I, I try to greet her with a kiss or at least a hello, something, right? And then followed by a lot of caffeine. 12, we repair quickly and correct all perceived errors. This one's really important. I agree with this a lot. We repair quickly and correct all perceived errors, including injustices and injuries at once or as soon as possible and without stated excuses, intentions, or explanations. So without, to me, that means without defense, you know, and we, I, I love that we repair quickly. I mean, if your car has a flat tire, you're not going to wait a few days and you're not going to just drive it on that flat tire. The rim's going to get all busted, right? You go to the gas station as soon as you can and you fix that tire. And I think with relationships, yes, there is, there is an urgency. Now, if someone needs space to process and they don't want to talk about something because you have talked it to death or they're not in a place of processing, I think that's okay and people can need time. But you do have to put it on high, meaning you shouldn't be taking a vacation. Other things shouldn't come before you sitting down and doing what you can to repair the damage. I think the faster the repair um, with the individual's healthy amount of space, if you will, uh, the faster people make an effort to repair, the less the damage, the resentment, the anger, and all that. 13, we gaze lovingly upon our partner daily and make frequent and meaningful gestures of appreciation, admiration, and gratitude. What a beautiful to do. That's a that was that's that's very beautiful. We gaze and you know what? When you when you hear when I hear we gaze lovingly, I kind of feel cheesed out, but I don't think it's cheesy. Um, I think um, what what I get from gaze is, is, is eye gazing. It's actually an exercise we did in session and it's hard and we don't do it because we just, our society, we're running around, we don't make eye contact. And so with our partners, it's important to make eye contact. Our couples therapist said, um, that's where we fall in love is in our gaze. And it really landed for me. I was like, fuck, that's where we fall in love in our, in our eyes, in our gaze. I thought it was naked in the bedroom. No, it turns out it's in our eyes. That's where we fall in love. And so if you're not making eye contact with your partner, um, ask yourself why. We gaze lovingly upon our partner daily and make frequent and meaningful gestures of appreciation, admirations, and gratitude. Um, and, and, you know, you decide what your meaningful gestures, gestures of appreciation is. And I would, uh, hope that you consider your partner's love language, because for me, my gesture of appreciation, admiration, and gratitude is, um, buying her tacos <laughs> and going and, you know, uh, cause she's all about acts of service, uh, making her day easier, uh, picking up our daughter, um, doing what I can. You know, picking up around the house, uh, all that stuff goes a long way with her, and I know that. So that can be um, a meaningful gesture of appreciation. Now, for me, I would like uh, words of affirmation. I would like for you to whisper into my ear and tell me that I'm attractive, and I would like um, to get naked with you, <laughs> and I would like, um, you know, I don't know. 
just just a lot of lovey-dovey romantic shit, you know. That goes a lot a far a far with me. Number 14, we master the ways of seduction, influence and persuasion and avoid the use of fear or threat. I don't know about this word we master. We master the What about we work on with honest intentions? Seduction, seduction, influence, and persuasion, and avoid the use of fear or threat. Number 15, we strive to become experts on each other. I love this. Yes, we take an interest and effort to discover who our partner is. Here's the thing, not who they were, you know, last year or when you guys met, but who they are today, because we are always changing and growing. And this is what's hard about connecting is to always try to strive to get to know, understand, explore your partner's journey. 16, we remember the couple bubble, um, assuming they're talking about that container of the relationship uh, and that our relationship is its own entity. It comes first, not as us individuals. The relationship wins motto. Moto. I agree with this. And in John Kim language, this just means that the relationship is greater than its parts and to protect that relationship space. 17, we validate each other's feelings, yes, and strive to see into and understand our partner's experience. Empathy, compassion, walk in your partner's shoe, Try to understand before trying to be understood. 18, we lead with relief. We don't wait for the other to initiate repair or soothing. We lead. This is a big one. And, you know, I struggle with this because I have an ego. And um, I say, well, why do I have to go first? You know, like many people. But uh, you lead. You be the one. You reach out. It's the harder thing to do. But if two people have that mindset, then it's not a problem, right? 19, finally, we have each other's back no matter what. I was going to say something inappropriate. We have each other's back and front. That, that was inappropriate. It wasn't even worth – that wasn't even funny. It was funny in my head. Okay, never mind. Um, yes, yes, we have each other's back as well as each other's fronts. I'm 49 years old. I don't know when I'm going to grow up or if I'm going to grow up or maybe um, this is me growing up. I don't know. But those were the 18 principles of secure functioning relationships. Uh, some may have resonated with you. Some may have not. I don't know. It was helpful for me to kind of scan and to uh, go through them, and this is what I encourage you to do, go through them and see if you and your partner are doing these things. As we end, I was going to share with you a little bit of the homework. Uh, we had homework, and here are the, the things that we are uh, supposed to do. And I'll be honest, I have been uh, lagging. <laughs> Start doing five or so minutes of daily eye-to-eye talking about how intentional you were in your relationship that day. Who the fuck does this? No one. 
right? I think it's a great homework. I think it's, we should be doing this. But who do you know that actually does this? Takes five minutes out of your day and says, hey, listen, look at me in the eye. <laughs> and um, I want to tell you um, how intentional I, I was today in our relationship. You tell me one person you know that does this. I mean, I think it's great. This is the work, you know. Um, I have not done this. And and we haven't seen our couples uh, therapist in, in a couple weeks because we got busy. And uh, this is something that uh, I need to do. The idea with this is that you recognize what you did well and where you can improve. It's um, It's meant to build deeper understanding and connection. It will also help with attunement and building security. This is a big one. I encourage you to do it. It takes uh, it takes a lot of effort. You know, it's only five minutes, but still, it's, it takes vulnerability. Um, it takes uh, ownership. It takes a self review, right? So it's kind of like a check in slash self evaluation <laughs> that you're doing daily. All right. The other homework was uh, be loving and conscious about transitions, and this is what she's talking about is uh. You know, the highs and buys, the day happens fast. We all have shit we have to do, especially if you have children. So um, it could be a sim- a sim- something as simple as uh, uh, touching your partner's shoulder, um, a kiss on the cheek, a hug, uh, you know, note dropped into her purse. I don't know, uh, but the transitions matter. And she says here, I can't stress this enough. It is something helpful to think of how you are with your daughter and or of the younger part in each other. Yeah, addressing the inner child, right? Your relationships your relationship started first and deserves attunement and attunement attunement and focus. All right. Oh, she means literally your daughter. It is something helpful to think of how you are with your daughter and or think of the younger part in each other. Okay. And the third thing for homework was um or maybe it's just a, a remembering. Remember, if the relationship should comes first, what should you do? So if that's your mindset that your relationship should come first, what does that look like? You know, this is the couple bubble. What's good for you is good for me. Is good for the relationship. All right. I hope that was helpful. Um. The other thing I was going to say is, uh, as therapists, Vanessa and I, uh, we get lazy. You know, um, we should have seen a couples therapist a long time ago, and you should see a couples counselor, couples therapist, uh, even when things are not are great. You know, as a check in, just do it. I know there's a stigma with like if you're seeing a couples counselor, it means that there's something wrong. There's this anxiety. Oh my God, we're not doing well. And, uh, you know, you could break that. Um, it's like uh, when we go do fitness we, or, or we go on a diet or we do whatever, uh, um, think of it as maintenance. You know, if we go on a cleanse once in a while or whatever, uh, wait, that doesn't make sense once in a while. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. John, trust yourself. Um Think of it as maintenance, not when the plane is going down, it might be too late, Um, not as a last resort, but couples counseling is part of maintenance. Like you take your car to get uh, an oil change and uh, the, you know, realignment and new tires, 
um, it's maintenance of a relationship. Ask yourself, when's the last time you saw a couples counselor? Maybe it's time. Thank you for listening. Be well. Uh, real quick before you go, I want to remind you about my daily texts. I send them out every day, and uh, I now have international numbers, and I'm able to sell, uh, not sell, uh, send out exclusive audio clips as well as longer form um, texts. So they're almost like mini blog posts. And uh, yeah, go to thingertherapist.com and get my email text. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordeaux, Lumia Coach Training. And it's amazing. It's 100% live and online, meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, ICF accredited to with 20 diverse instructors in a thriving alumni community. Go to theangrytherapist.com and click on Become a Coach and explore Lumia Coach Training. I'll see you in class.